Hello, and welcome to Shakespeare, the official Lionface Productions podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer. Today, we'll be starting our most contentious discussion yet, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, for fair warning, we do open up with a fair bit of Star Wars talk for some reason. It was actually relevant for what was going on. Either way, uh, if you're not into that or you want to avoid spoilers for Rogue One, uh, you may want to skip until about the seven-minute mark. If you live in Northwest Ohio and would like to get involved with our organization, be it to act, direct, or anything else theater-related, please reach out to us at facebook.com slash Productions. Now... On with the show. The kids were running around Imagination Station today. It was a good time. Yeah, I want to go to Imagination Station. One of the things my dad, when we were talking, he's like, hey, there was a Star Wars thing up in Toledo. Did you guys know about it? I'm like, we, we were there. We were there today. Have you not been on Facebook, Father? He goes, no, I check that when I go to bed. I'm like, taking the kids, letting them run around, especially when we had all them together. They, they stay together nicely. For the most part, yeah. For the most part. The kids will stay together nicely. Um, there's usually two are together in one area. It does it of the three kids, two together in one well, area. Four. Well, but now, James... But James does whatever James wants, <laughs> which is usually contrary to everything else. James wants to put his hand in the water. Oh, no, that's wet. I don't want to be wet. Oh, I want to go on this air thing. No, I don't want air on me. I would like to go and see this thing. What is it? I don't know. Let's pull on it. Is that a button? Can I push the button? So yeah, that's about right. Basically, he's two. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's a two-year-old. So, he's a drunk ADD kid. All the time. That just sounds... All exhausting. toddlers are yeah. tiny, drunk humans. It is. Well, especially... I know what he's going to be like when he's drunk and he's in his mid-twenties. Because, because you've met him. Because I've met him. And what he does on his normal... Like, he'll sit there and he'll watch TV for a while. And once he decides that he needs to interact with people and play with his brother... The way he wants to play with his brother, who's sitting on the couch watching something, is to stand next to him on the couch and then try his best to sit on his face. So basically, James <laughs> is you. I... Can I just say it's remarkable how much Michael looks like you and James looks like Chris. But, but James now acts just... like you. Yeah. James acts like me, whereas Michael acts like Chris. Yes. Everything that Chris ever wanted... You guys are like the perfect... They're the perfect yin-yang of the two of you. I really hope our kids are are nerdy and really love like Star Wars and all the things that I love. Uh, And then Michael and James came out and have developed into little humans. And Michael loves everything that Chris holds dear. Every single thing that Chris is like, you like Star Wars? Love Star Wars, Dad. It's amazing. Who's your favorite Star Wars character? Luke. Me too. Uh, but if you haven't seen Star Wars, do not talk to my child about it because he, like, he sat down with Hannah and ruined all of Star Wars for her. She'd seen Star Wars. It doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> she goes like, "Hey, I hear you like Star Wars." He goes, "Yes." Did you know that Anakin is Darth Vader and Darth Vader is Luke's father? And I'm like, blew the whole thing. Wide open. There is a good... Luckily, my wife had already seen Star Wars. Actually, in the last last two weeks, my wife had seen Star Wars. There's four movies right there. Like... Ruined. Ruined. There there are only five movies that have been released. Oh, I... Or have been ruined. I know. Four ruined. Well, actually, 
There are six that have been Do released. You... Rogue One counts. Okay. I was going <laughs> to ask, does Rogue One count? Because actually Rogue, no, Rogue, Rogue One was Rogue, decent. So you Rogue, know Rogue, Rogue One is, movie. Rogue One might actually be my favorite. Then you can no longer say that you hate all the prequels. Because Rogue One is a prequel. Yeah, but that's okay because it's like literally the end of Rogue One is but the beginning a, of A New Hope. It's yeah, not... It's it, technically, it's... It's not technically in the trilogy of trilogy. It is a branch off. That's why it doesn't have a crawl. Yeah. Yeah. The reason there's no crawl at the beginning of Rogue One is but because it's not. I, I have not shown, and that is when I will wait to show the boys. I'm not showing, I'm, no, I'm not showing Izzy Rogue, Rogue, Rogue One. Rogue One. Because, like, Hannah won't watch it with me because she just cries. Yeah, me too. Is it, <laughs> everything I want to have, ha- I love, I love the characters so much. I love Jin. She is everything I want in a great feminist character. She is strong. She is independent. Um, she is not attached to a male figure for her power. She's the exact opposite of the play that we're going to talk about tonight. She is the exact opposite. Oh, he's already recording. He's been recording for a while. We're five minutes into a really good Star Wars fan cast. <laughs> it is. It is. But, but just like the play we're going to talk about, she may have been destined for a star-crossed love. One of the best things I love about the end of that is is that they don't ever kiss. Mm, we don't know what happens after that. Well, first of all... They die! <laughs> you don't know what happens in that elevator. Okay, okay. everyone dies. Everyone dies. That's, I, I, I even warned Hannah about that going into that movie. I was like, you know everyone dies, and she didn't believe me. Can we put, like, a big spoiler warning? Yeah, I, like, I'll, I'll, I'll put that in. Yeah, put it in the liner notes. Like, hey, okay, spoilers. Okay, uh, Not for Romeo and Juliet. For Star Wars, Rogue One, for some reason. Yeah. Okay, if you, okay, so, sorry about it. If, you, if Rogue One was released over a year ago now. Yeah. If you have not seen it by now. The statute not, of limitations yeah. is right Also, like, like, we're not going to throw out Last Jedi spoilers. I still haven't seen Last Jedi. But that's also still a month. I that's was really surprised. You my, Kylo I keep Ren. telling my dad. Actually, it was Luke kills Dumbledore. It's, it's <laughs> amazing. Really. The crossover, no one saw it. <laughs> Nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. I really was really surprised when they threw Hans Gruber off the building. Yeah. I wasn't. That was foreshadowed. Anyway, shall we get started? So yeah. let's, let's, let's go ahead. This is this is the speaking of foreshadowing. Yeah, this is the Shakespeare podcast. This is uh, uh, happened to be we're talking about Romeo and Juliet this time. So I'm Ryan Halfhill with my one of my co-hosts, Beth Roars, Cassie Greenley, Chase Greenley, and we have a special guest for the first time for the Shakespeare podcast. So. Introduce yourself, please, special guest. I am Christina Hoekstra. Yay! Yay! Christina is the uh, current ED, executive director for Lionface Productions, so she is part of the company that brings the Shakespeare podcast to everyone that's listening, like all 12, 15 of you. <laughs> we, we, look, the world may never know. 30, One, maybe. Two, 30, three. If, we're, if we're lucky. Crunch. That'd be great. The guy at the listen, beer store listens. Listen, the, the guy, the guy at the beer store yeah. doesn't listen yet, but, <laughs> but he might. <laughs> you didn't even tell him the name of the podcast. Well, I explained it to him. He didn't. I don't. I didn't. I didn't get a good feel for sure whether sure he'd be into it. But I told him the name. He you goes, tell wow. him anyway, wow. and you hope someone is lurking in the aisle and listening. First there was all, nobody in the first store. First of all, when there's I was there. never anybody in the store when I go in there. <laughs> Never anybody. This is the this is the the the, the one express over on stop. Baskins? The express, express stop. stop. And, and 
It's a uh, small, it's a gem of a beer store. They have literally every beer you could want that is currently being sold. On, it, it is the one over on Haskins. Yes, the one on yeah. Haskins Road, Bowling Green. Bowling Green, Ohio. Yep. Fantastic place. Yeah, Absolutely. we love the Express Stop. We actually, generally speaking, stop at the Express Stop on Haskins Road and buy our beer that we drink while we're doing the Shakespeare podcast. Um, I guess we can talk about the beers. Yeah, because we always try to have a competition to see who's got the beer that best relates to the play. I've lost the past two, but in the apocrypha earlier podcasts that have yet to be released, I won. So, both. Uh, <laughs> so you clearly, did not win both. both. Clearly, no. No. You didn't, okay, first, you didn't try on the first one, so I won. <laughs> and the second one, I won because I Because you're saying because so? Yeah, because Cassie said so. No, Cassie didn't say so. Did. I'm not you, kidding. You were there. She said it. She said it was late at night. Um, but so I am. What I one of these I have here is uh, Evil Twin Brewings. I love you with my stout. <laughs> and the other beer I brought tonight was Lagunitas Stupid, because this play is fucking stupid. It's stupid wit, which is what I like. They have no wit. I feel no, like Evil Twins wit. would have been better for a comedy of errors. Uh, evil, yeah, yeah. I love you with my stout because yeah. And I brought, uh, I brought Out of Bounds, because their love is Out of Bounds, by Avery Brewery. It is. And I brought uh, Dead Guy from the Rogue Brewery, uh, mainly because there are <laughs> dead guys. Yep. Uh, a couple of them. Couple several of them. throughout Se- the piece. Several throughout, and because our friend Tyler Ward lives very close to the Rogue Brewery out in Oregon. He lives in uh, he lives in the Medford area, and Rogue is brewed in the Rogue River Valley, which Medford is in the Rogue River Valley. And, and we know no oh, one who loves uh, Romeo and Juliet the same way that Tyler Ward loves Romeo Tyler and Ward and does love Romeo and Juliet. And today we're going to find out why. The Greenlee household provided champagne left over from New Year's Eve. Because, uh, well, because, because first... champagne is... I don't know, romantic you, alcohol. You drink it at weddings? Yeah. 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 Well, well, then here. there is a wedding in this place. There is. The first, the first rule of Shakespeare is that you must drink to be part of Shakespeare. I am fulfilling my requirements. So, know. Christina and Cassie are both drinking champagne because you have to drink if you want to be here. It's true. It's true. Otherwise, we are less funny. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> when we start going into kind of drunken explanations of the plot line... You start looking at us weird when you're way too sober for me to be talking at you like Speaking that. of drunken explanations of the plot line, for the five people who live under a rock and don't know what Romeo and Juliet is or about. Or aren't freshmen in high or school. Or aren't freshmen in high school and studying the play right now. Uh, let's give a brief well, summary. Okay, and a, it won't be a, brief. It'll be the entire episode. Yeah, let's this, give this a, first, <laughs> the first episode uh, of the two-parter tends to be the entire explanation of the plot. Uh... Plus five, tangents. Yeah, you know, five acts of stupidity is what we have. Well, well, no. Sorry, I mean, I'm the getting... first the first half can be argued to be a comedy, and the second half is definitely a tragedy because the first half has Mercutio, and he is literally the life and soul of which the show is something I want to bring up because he is he is such a phenomenal character. Everybody loves Mercutio, but he's in it for such a short time. Mm-hmm. He well, has that, everything happens in such a short time. Yeah, okay. they meet at the end of Act One, and they're married by the end of Act Two. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, and he dies in the middle of Act Three. And he dies in the middle of Act Three. Uh, beginning of Act <laughs> Three, actually. I think it's like three one. But he yeah. he is this kind of strange character for Shakespeare. He is someone who is so loved, who's 
part in the actual plot is just that he has to die. Right. Well, he tries to be the voice of reason. If anybody is the voice of reason, it is Benvolio. Yeah. Oh god, I hate Benvolio. Well, we're gonna have words. Benvolio is a douchebag. The friar, though, I will say he goes off the edge. But let's start at the beginning. Alright, so let's and, start at the beginning. And walk our way through the show. Alright, so... It does have one of the best openings. It does, and I pulled it It's the it, I only it thing that I have that I will say favorably about it. I'm, we'll, we'll go out here and say that Ryan Halfhill hates Romeo and Juliet. Now that I've said it, Ryan doesn't have to say it again. But I will. So instead of Ryan just saying that he hates Romeo it's and Juliet... It's the worst of Shakespeare's books. I want him to give us the reasons when we get to places to why he hates it. So it'll be a reasoned explanation instead of what we normally get, which is just, I hate fucking Romeo and Juliet. It's terrible, okay? Because you sound like Sling Blade. Because, <laughs> it's my boy, and then mm. Romeo and Juliet. Mm. Yeah. But we, we start in Verona. We start with servants of the households. The chorus. Yeah. Well, so, first we... Well, the, yes. First we... Outlining. It does have a great introduction. The chorus, the original chorus. Can you still do it? Not off the top of my head anymore. But I, I, I will if you, you I try, turn it up. I do. I have it up. both alike in dignity. Yep. I in fair Verona where we lay our scene. scene. From ancient Good grudge break to new mutiny where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes a pair of star-crossed lovers take their lives. Whose misadventures piteous overthrows Doth with their death bury their parents' strife. The fearful passage of their death-marked love and the continuance of their parents' rage, which but their children's ends not could remove, is now the two hours' traffic of our stage, the which, if you with patient ears attend, with tears shall miss... Our toil shall strike. I think tonight. reading stopped at the end there. It did. It did. I quit. Because, well, because I got distracted because literally you can save two hours of dealing with this fucking play by reading right that there. and it's you're right done. There. So you could have turned it into a sonnet and it'd been good. Well, their first meeting is a sonnet. So we'll get there. This prologue is arguably one of the best introductions to any of his plays. You, if the people who do know me in person know that I love first lines of novels. Mm -hmm. I think that they are so important, not only to setting up the tone of the novel, but um, there's that spark that happens when you read that first line um, that can either make or break the entire thing. Um, Well, and especially with this one, depending on what the director decides to do and who delivers it, it completely changes the tone on what perspective this play is being made from, who is the key person, different things like that. Right. Like, is it Benvolio? Is it the nurse? Is it the friar? Is it just a chorus? Yeah, the best, the best, like, the best like, is the prince. I like it when it is actually just a chorus. When it seems to be an extra, the people that are milling around. Because these are two houses, the Montagues and the Capulets, who for... Whatever reasons, reasons unknown, pretty much run Verona. We've got the prince. We know that there is a structure of government and that they are held to laws. um, And the prince is done dealing with their shenanigans. But these two houses 
are running shit and everybody is just a little afraid of what they're going to do. This, all this fighting, all, and we start with a fight. Mm-hmm. So, prologue moves on. We start with Benvolio. No, it was Abraham and, it, no, it's it's two. just It's just servants. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the servants the of the household. Yeah. It's the bite my thumb scene. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm is, sorry. I guess most of the time when I see that, I see and, it as and all, the, all the dick jokes. Let me, let me bite my yeah. thumb at you. Well, but it's, it's the best scene in the entire play, and it's right at the beginning, and everything goes downhill from there. Yeah, and it, and to have that moment of, are we going to fight? Are we not going to fight? Uh, let's just use our words for a second because we're not really supposed to fight. I bite my thumb at you. Do you bite my thumb at me? I love the aside from when it's like, if I say yes, am I culpable if a fight breaks out? Yeah. Yeah. No. And they're 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 well aware that they don't want to be the one who is the aggressor in the fight. Yeah. We, but they want to fight each other. Yeah. They want to do that. It's exactly what they're trying to do. It's just they're both like, well, I want to fight you, but I'm just gonna make it so that way you're the guy who's fighting me. I was just here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we get Benvolio coming in trying to break up the fight. Yeah. And the prince shows up and he basically goes, I have had it with this. I'm sick Children, of your shit. Children, go to your corners and knock this off. Because the feud, what, what this scene really serves to do is to set up the idea that this feud has been going on for time out of mind and nobody knows what the frick it's even about anymore. Right. And it actually is an introduction to one of my favorite characters in Romeo and Juliet, and that was Tybalt. And it just shows right off the bat that he is just a scuffed asshole. Insane. That he's oh, he's, insane. he's a crazy he just, person. Yeah, no, he just he loves is. fights. And I... We often talk about um, different adaptations, and my favorite Tybalt is still the Romeo plus Juliet where... Um, the Baz Luhrmann with the, is John Leguizamo? With John Leguizamo. As Tybalt, yeah. Oh, he's so good at being just so it's honestly, it's acid one of the, and angry. One of the best performances John Leguizamo has ever given. Mm-hmm. Way better than Spawn. Well, Spawn was a terrible movie. That's true. But <laughs> anyway. But this, so. the, the Tybalt is, he's another one, like... Mercutio and Tybalt, I would rather read their story sometimes than Romeo and Juliet's. Because Romeo and Juliet are... Idiots. Yes. Children. Yes. 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 Juliet has some merit as a feminist character. She does. Um, But they are... If they just talked more. Mm -hmm. A simple message here or there. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, that's something that you keep saying over and over again. (laughs) Isn't it, Ryan? Isn't it, Ryan? I believe that it was pretty much what you said all through Othello is if you just talk to the person you love. So let this be if a you lesson. If you just talk to the motherfuckers. The motherfuckers would stop being such motherfuckers. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so then the prince sends them into their corners and we find out that Romeo was not actually there because he is pining over the oh-so-beautiful Rosalind. Rosalind, oh, Rosalind. Oh. Who I believe what has just declared a vow of chastity or something like that. She basically wants Romeo off her back. Yeah, she's um, tired of his shit. He's coming on super strong, and she's like, I don't, because she's neither a Montague nor a Capulet. No, Actually, it is it is widely interpreted that she does belong to the extended Capulet family. That she is part of them. Yeah, she that is. She is she's like a cousin. 
the Capulet. She's not part of the main branch party. that's doing all the fighting, but she is distantly related. Okay, Either I just assumed are a really good friend of the family because Mercutio isn't related to the Montagues. He's the prince's cousin. Yeah, you know, he's the prince's cousin, but but Rosalind is mm-hmm. widely interpreted in in so many adaptations that I've seen. Well, because she's supposed to be at the party. Yeah. Right. That's how Romeo is expecting to see her. That's right. why he wants to be there. That is how Benvolio finds out that he's been pining over Rosalind because they read the, the guest list from a cap from a Capulet servant and her name is there and he kind of pauses. He didn't get on it from it. the there's a huge emo scene. Yeah. I but, love it. I love Benvolio what? and Romeo's yeah, conversation. That was fantastic. Because Benvolio is standing there trying to get anything like sense out of Romeo. Yeah. Good morning, cousin. Is the day yet so, so long? Young? Yeah, but news struck nine. <laughs> I, me, said hours seem long. What sadness lengthens Romeo's hours? Not having which which having makes them short. In love. Out. Of love. Out of her favor where I am in It's love. just like this angsty cycle of angstiness. Oh my gosh. Well, we don't so... need Spider-Man 3. We need a fucking <laughs> actual, like, legitimate... So, Homecoming? <laughs> I haven't seen Homecoming yet. So, so, so what I'm going to say at this I'll point, to, oh. to kind of bridge the opinions, I hate this play... In certain circumstances. I hate this play when it is interpreted as this grand, romantic, tragic love story. That drives me up the nearest wall. I can't stand it. But I think if you if you take this play in the context of the feud and how ridiculous it is mm. and showing people in the town, final, like, what does it take to finally snap them out of this ridiculous argument that's been going on for forever, then I think it has merit if you highlight that aspect of the story. If- it, but hey. there are better there are better plays for that. Well, yes. There are, there are far better I plays. St- I still enjoyed your emo version of it when you did Abridged. Well, Have yeah, <laughs> Abridged was a lot of fun to be able to play Romeo and just be... I had a Super shaggy sad. black wig. <laughs> like You had the bangs. Swept over my eyes. Yeah. So, yeah. Romeo And I is, pined over yeah. Tyler. Romeo is there's a lot to pine so emotional. There is. There, Tyler yeah. is a he's a big dude. Yeah. And, there was a lot. And to pine throughout over. the entire play, Romeo is the epitome <coughs> of an over emotional character. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And in this scene, he's pining over Rosalind, and Benvolio says, "Hey, I know it's going to make you feel better. We're going to go to this party. There's going to be lots of hot chicks there. We'll get your mind off of it." And Romeo goes, "The Capulet party. Rosalind might be there. I'll totally go." At which point, Benvolio does the you know face palm and like this. No, I was trying to get you off of Rosalind. And it works. It It does work. In the worst way possible, it works. Sometimes the best laid plans of mice and men. Yeah. Also, wind up with two mice dead. Generally, yeah. Six mice mice dead. Six mice dead. Fair. Fair. Everybody dies. It's not the bloodiest, but it's working on it. So then we have. The next scene where it's in the Capulets and they're talking about the party and uh, Papa Capulet is selling his daughter in marriage, basically, to yeah. Paris. And she's like, I don't really want to do that, but I will do what you tell me to do because I am filial. Well, And 13 years old. Well, And, 13 and that's years the old. big thing. Remember that. <laughs> okay. So There's actually a law in, in Ohio in, that's called Romeo and Juliet law. So In this scene, he's he's not actually selling Juliet off right away, he's telling Paris to just court her. Wait a bit. 
it's later on when she's pining when he thinks she's pining he, over he does, that, yeah, he, that he pushes her. Into he it. does talk about my daughter is yet so young mm-hmm. um, that he isn't really thinking about getting her married. But if she yeah. likes you, sure right. thing. Why not? Um, but again, I know over and over again in, in classes and discussions, and it always comes mm-hmm. up that these kids are young. They are. Mm-hmm. And that is really, really important, especially when you are looking at the show in the context of, it's this great romantic love story. It's not. She's 13. He's like 16. Think I, about the I, choices you <laughs> made at 13 and 16. They weren't good. And I hear a lot of people go, well, think of the time frame it's of still, people's it's lives. Still the, the brain it's sti- is still the same brain. It it's you know, not Wait, And even when we're developed. talking about the context of people's lives, they... They still are very young. It's still puberty age. They're they're literally hitting puberty at the exact same time. The, so the yes, part people of your, got married younger, yeah. 15, 16, 17, but but it doesn't change the fact they're that the still part both of your in puberty. Yeah. the part of your brain that controls your impulsive actions does not fully develop until the age of twenty five. It's your prefrontal cortex. And and that it one doesn't always close in everybody, Ryan. <laughs> I'm about to prefrontal your cortex. <laughs> anyway, I'm married. <laughs> the nurse goes on the most fantastic, ridiculous monologue ever. I love the nurse. the nurse. The is, nurse is fantastic. She is. And she is also a point of logic. And that will play out. The, the mother. She also could very... be considered the fool. Oh, yeah. The I was going to ask you who the fool of Romeo and Juliet yeah. is. If, there, if it's anyone, it's the nurse. There, yeah, if it's anyone, it's the nurse, but there is not. Really, a fool an official fool in this one. I would consider it the nurse if I'm talking about fools of Shakespeare. If you if you point blank were Romeo and Juliet, who's the fool? It's the nurse. I'm actually gonna. Um, it would either be the nurse or Friar Francis. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on both points. I'm gonna tell you, um, based on the Queen Mab speech, it would be Mercutio. Interesting. Okay. Because when you look at, mm. I know. Hear me out, though. Before you before you disagree with me, I have good reason, <laughs> and you know I've spent a lot of time studying the fools. And it's not that Mercutio is a fool, a jester, although his role in this entire thing is to make Romeo happy. He's the friend. And literally his death marks where the tragedy starts. Correct. But when we look at what the fool's roles are, and when we look at the monologue... starts at 1-4. And when we look at the monologue... For you, the tragedy starts at 1-1. No, 1-4 is when Romeo and Juliet meet, so that's when the tragedy begins. So... When we look at what the fool's role is, it's always to foreshadow that what's coming and to give everybody a amusing light into knowing what's going to happen. Um, sometimes it's exposition. Sometimes it's exposition, but when we look at the gravedigger, he pulls up uh, York's head and we get this moment of how... A fleeting life is, and then everybody just turns to bone in the end. And the actions that you take now, no matter how noble you were, you become nothing but bone. So there's there's the futility of Hamlet. Um, when we were talking about when other famous fools that I can think of, uh, the porter. The porter has a lot of great... And I can't wait until we get to the best fool that happens in only one scene of the entire play. Right, so the porter... Again, gives exposition on what's going to happen. That um, 
there is great equalizers. The that um, foolishness and and wine and and drink make everybody equal, just as death makes everybody equal. So there's this the this role that the fool plays over and over and over again in Shakespeare's plays, which is the only reason that I will ever say if you have to pick a fool for this, and there's not one really, but Mercutio fills in that role because of the Queen Mab speech. Because of the Queen Mab speech is, uh, you could pull it out of the play. And it doesn't change anything about the play. But there is so much Except for entertainment value. Except for entertainment value, like a fool. But there's so much foreshadowing mm-hmm. in there that this could all but be a dream. And if you wait for if you wait for sleep to wake you, then everything that was bad or seemed bad or was going too fast will be over. So if he had but waited for Juliet to wake, everything that was wrong and terrible and going too fast would have resolved itself. Well, I think I'm going to play devil's advocate oh. there, and I'm going to I'm going to say that maybe it's actually Romeo and Juliet that are the fools because there are little tiny lines in the play here and there, like uh, before Romeo decides to go to the the party, he says, "I feel something awful will come of me going to this." Or when he's leaving Juliet's room and Juliet looks down at him and I see him and he looks like a skeleton and dead. Like those are also foreshadowing. So I feel like those because they are. Stupid. <laughs> so I feel like the little things in there could also mark them as the fools in this show. Absolutely, absolutely. For mm-hmm. those for those exact same reasons, I cannot. And they are, the nurse they is are the comedic fools relief. in love. They are fools in love. The nurse is the comedic relief of yes. the show. Often, but also like for entertainment value, Mercutio is there, um, and even his dying words. But you can't remove hilarious. You, you can't remove Mercutio no, because of you can't. And you can't entertainment value because Mercutio is. You can't, the only one in the play that actually there makes are, any kind of There sense. are lots of fools that you cannot remove from the play. Uh, Touchstone cannot be removed. Feste. Cannot be removed. Yeah. Um, there are lots and lots of fools who cannot be removed. Uh, the fool from Lear, who is my favorite fool. Well, the fool, the fool from Lear is... Labeled the fool. Well, but he is but the most important fool in any of Shakespeare's plays because he's literally Lear's companion. And the only person who keeps him alive. Yeah, you 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 literally cannot remove the fool. When it comes time to do our fool podcast, I'm excited for it because we're going to do one just entirely dedicated to the fool. Um, I would like to note that uh, our lovely Beth did write a one act where all the fools changed scenes and, and plays and decided to. Um, yeah, we've talked about that a couple. We, we times. brought it up. Yes. It came up during Otago. That's because. Of the tropes that run throughout, because we all know that I'm not a huge fan of the histories, mm-hmm. of the tropes that run throughout all of Shakespeare's 37 plays, the one thing that pulls them all together is there is usually a fool. Okay. Um, and so I'll pick Mercutio for this one. If there has to be one, I would say him. And I still say the nurse. The nurse, I think, is a good comic relief, but at the same time, she adds nothing else. So That's fair. So, well, anon, anon, anyway. I come. She is the closer mother figure to Juliet because the scene we were just talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Like the absolutely. mother Capulet is so removed from Juliet in the well, scene. Well, the parents, the parents in general, Montague, Montague Capulet, and their wives. And I think that's a, a decent message to take away from this: is look, this is what happens when you just let your pubescent Kids. children yeah. run well, wild with the Montague no seem oversight. At least more concerned with with. Romeo's personal feelings. Cat, when Lady Capulet asks Juliet how she feels, she Juliet calls her mom "madam," and she says, "I'll look to like if looking like and move." Like, 
But that has a that has a lot to do with gender politics, because a girl is a property and a boy is not. So if you just deny Especially, everybody until yes. your parents die, you can marry whoever you want. But I was more pointing out the uh, the formality she was speaking yeah. to her mother with, yes, rather lot than of, lot more motherly, but, motherly. Yeah, and we like to point out that we are. 32 Sorry. minutes into this and we have not left okay. we've not gotten to the party alright all right. so let's talk we about we haven't even party. left act one really so, well let's go to Queen Mab then cause we, we've all decided we're going to the party the party well, no, we, we can't Queen Mab happens in act three no Queen no, Mab is Queen act one is yeah. it act one yeah, yeah it's yeah. before the party oh that's right it is before the party yeah. so they're Sorry. this party they're getting ready to go to the party we have the big um, Queen Mab speech, which goes on for ever like um, five pages. It's well, forever. it's it's in terms of lines. It starts on line fifty five and it ends on line eighty three, and it finally ends not because Mercutio stops talking, but because Romeo says, "Peace, Mercutio, peace." Thou talkst of nothing, yeah, and then Mercutio continues to talk about Queen Mab, um, and then they enter the the party. That's right, that's right. I, I always forget that that actually happens way earlier in the play. Yeah, and it is... Which really means, like I said, that after Act 1, you can throw the rest of the fucking play away. Everybody loves Mercutio. Everybody loves Mercutio. Um, and everybody loves him because... I'm pretty sure because of that Queen Mab speech. It is fantastic. Well, and he does, he does attempt to be a voice of reason to Romeo. Not saying that he is a voice of reason in all things, because once he sees Tybalt later, yes, he's he is the hot-headed yes, knave well, yes. in some way, and he wants to fight the Prince of Cats. He's the well, jock. So if if Romeo see, and Juliet and I, were I a high school, he would he would he would be the the goofy class clown jock. I don't see him as I don't see him as a jock. What I see him as is he is the theater kid. That has somehow maintained <laughs> popularity. I'm sorry, you've internalized too much. <laughs> no, no, no. And I never. No, I think I, this is valid. I, 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 I no, you. this is not about me ever wanting to play. I never actually wanted to play Mercutio because I hate this play. But <laughs> fair. Um, no, but he is the he's that popular theater kid, or he's the the loner outcast guy, but is still popular. He's like he's like Heath Ledger in Ten Things I Hate About You. He's but but nicer. Yes, yes. No, <laughs> like, I think he's like that for he's, sure. He's he's the guy who's the asshole to everyone, but he's an asshole in such a way that everybody likes him for it. Yeah, he is invited to the Capulet party because well, he's he's related to the prince. Yeah, yeah he's so, so the that's like that's a powerful he, he connection. He can travel then in all. He's allowed he, in yes. all circles. He yes. just happens to be best friends with Romeo. So, but but that's an important thing to note. Is mm-hmm. this. If we're talking about the character of Mercutio now, one of the things to note is that he can travel in all of the circles. Yeah. That this is a character who could have walked next to Tybalt as easily as he walks next to Romeo. Right. If he wanted to. If, if he wanted, he wanted to. to. That and But Tybalt pisses everyone off. Like Tybalt and Mercutio are opposite sides. I don't sides. think he pisses, pisses off Mrs. Cat. <clears throat> Tybalt and Mercutio are opposite sides of the exact same coin. They definitely are. They are, they both are assholes. It's just Mercutio is the fun asshole that like, yeah, he might grind your gears a little bit, but he does it in such a humorous way that you don't hate him for it. Whereas Tybalt, 
you so, hate him for it. So I've often heard people say, well, Tybalt is the antithesis of Romeo. And no, and this he's, you brought up an excellent point. That Mercutio and Tybalt are, those yeah. are your two Paris is the antithesis of Romeo. Exactly. And Paris is the exactly. most boring motherfucker in existence. Exactly. Most, oh, I will say one of the most redeeming qualities of Tybalt is his loyalty to his family. I will say that. He does, I'm not saying he doesn't have redeemable qualities. But everybody in this play is loyal to their family. Yeah. And that's, that's a problem. Yeah. Except for Juliet. Anyway, so they go to the party. Romeo, Romeo just and, wants some ass. Romeo and Benfolio go to the party. Um, Tybalt is trying to cause trouble. He's like, I heard a Montague. I know I did. I heard a Montague. Keep I'm going to fight somebody. Form, I smell the blood and, of a Montague. And they're like, no, put your sword away. This is a party. There's no Montagues here. They weren't invited. It's all well, fine. Daddy, all Ka- Daddy Capula even says, I've heard that Romeo's a good boy. Just leave him alone. Yeah. They, they see them. They know they're there. And they say... Not tonight. Yeah. This is a party. Not tonight. The prince not is, not the in prince our house. Is, the prince is here. Do not draw blood in my house. Not in our house. Yeah. So it has to be let go. And then Romeo and Juliet meet across the crowded ballroom and the music fades away and the spotlight comes or down. Or does it swell? Well, it swells for them, but the music of the party fades away. Something swells, music and it's what's in Romeo's pants. All right, all right, all right. That's the only thing he cares about is getting some. Yeah, so he immediately sees Juliet and goes, Rosalind who? <laughs> uh, moves in, does some very heavy flirting. Mm-hmm. Uh, with and he wants to get some heavy petting. Lips to lips? Li- yes. And he's as trying Palmers to... Do. As, as Palmers do. As Palmers do. And, and uh, as I think Ryan said earlier, if you look at Romeo and Juliet's opening lines, they do form that most romantic of poetic forms, a sonnet. They are. They're, they're, their initial meeting yeah. is a sonnet. Can we hear the sonnet? You yep. can hear the sonnet. Oh, I have it right here. I got it. You, oh, would you two please recite? Absolutely. Do you song. want to be Romeo or Juliet? I don't care. If I profane with my unworthiest hand this holy shrine, this gen- the gentle sin is this. My lips, two blushing pilgrims, st- did ready stand to smooth that rough touch with a tender kiss. Good pilgrim, you do wrong your hand too much, which mannerly devotion shows in this. For saints have hands that pilgrims' hands do touch, and holy palmers, holy palmers kiss. Have not saint lips and holy palmers too? I pilgrim lips that they must use in prayer. Oh, then, dear saint, let lips do what hands do. They pray, grant thou, lest faith turn to despair. Saints do not move, though grant for prayer's sake. Then move not while my prayer's effect I take. Thus from my lips, by thine my sin is purged. Then have my lips the sin that they have told. And then we've moved on. Yeah. You guys can't see it, but they're making out. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yep. Yep. Um, that but, was the least passionate I've ever seen that produced. Well, we'll do it again after they finish okay. their champagne. <laughs> but but the, the whole point is the very first thing that Romeo says to this girl who is a stranger, he, he does not know who she is at this Let point. Me kiss you. He has no idea who Juliet is. He comes across the room to her and goes... Here, touches her and goes, oh, are my hands too rough? If my hands are too rough, I'll kiss it and make it better. I'm so, I'm so unworthy of you. And, Let me and kiss Juliet's you. response is, whoa, dude. <laughs> Who are you? Um, and like, you're cute and all, but... Yeah, but, but then it, then she quickly changes to, like, oh, like, you got game. Yeah. Okay. I like you know, I like the forward guys. I like the... I like the forward men. I like it when you know what yeah. you want. And the I've nurse, never had somebody pay me attention before. The nurse sees this. The nurse has a feeling of what's up. She goes over to Juliet. She's like, oh, your mother wants you. 
And then Romy goes, oh, who's your mother? And the nurse is like, uh, that would be the lady of the house. You are flirting with fire, son. And all he wants is is sex. He wants a little smoochy smoochy. No, he's 15. He's (laughs) trying to get laid. Unfortunately, I knew you at 18, so that makes sense. No, he's 15. It's Seriously, puberty is happening. He's like... He's like a loaded gun. He doesn't know what he wants. All it involves is him having this, sex. This, but and this might be a little too much for the podcast here because I don't know what age group that we're. Oh. I don't know if anybody's <laughs> I mean, actually. Look, the, the number of f words. <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the thing. We put the explicit tag on here for a reason. His name's some Ryan. of Cassie's students almost certainly listen. Yep. The amount of times I say fuck. All right. Um, well, then, he, it leads me, the, the, with how horny Romeo is, it leads me to question as if anybody actually told him what masturbating is and how to do it. First of all, it is a mortal sin in the Catholic religion. Which and they're is, Italian. So they're Catholic. So they're, so Catholic. they're Catholic. At this it time... It is a mortal sin. Spill the, at, your seed, which could be the second coming of Christ. <laughs> No, that's literally why you cannot master. I knew that at some faith. point in my life. Every sperm is Every sperm is good. Anyway, I'm really glad we got uh, some Monty Python in the middle there. But we're Protestants. I could pop down and get a Jimmy Cap whenever I want. Oh, could you? Whenever. Anyway. Oh, could you? Anyway. All right, on my But I won't. So. The, the thing is, I believe that at this moment, if she had just been called away and nobody had told him who she was, he would have found somebody else. But, but he's, now... Yep. He's told, oh, that's a Capulet. And he goes, oh, it's forbidden. Now I want it more. Yeah, now I really want to fuck her. Because <laughs> he does. It's amazing what forbidden fruit can do to Catholics. It's what amazing what forbidden fruit can do to anybody as I yeah. devour this entire plate of chocolate. Yeah, we've been eating an entire plate of chocolate <laughs> like while we're doing this. It's gone. I got more. Don't worry. <laughs> we're in a dangerous place. I'm supposed to be on a diet, but there's guy in chocolate. And, and soul-flavored beer. And lots of beer. Yeah. So anyway, the party ends. And uh, then Juliet finds out that uh, Romeo is... A Montague, mm-hmm. and that is bad news. And then we move into Act Two. We've Act Two, Act and two, he folks. sneaks to see her. Yes, because that's the, a smart choice. The most famous scene in the play. All right. Well, first so, of all, I understand that you hate this play, but the balcony scene has some beautiful moments in it. The way they describe the moon to the sun. I I genuinely really really love that part like the opening of Romeo like those the son who's that, already pale and sick with envy no there is I, didn't, beautiful I didn't I don't words mean that Shakespeare and didn't then, write well it's just garbage like the, the whole the theme of the play is garbage the but. one like smart the, the one smart move that Julia does which she tells Romeo not to vow by the moon that constantly changes or else his love will also yes, I mean, change and we get to act two scene one and we have but soft <coughs> light through yonder window breaks it is the east, and Juliet is the sun. That's yep. scene two. Is that scene two? Yes. Scene, it is. One. scene I, one. I have it open right. Okay. Scene one is just a chorus. Scene one is it, no. Scene Benvolio one is Benvolio and Mercutio trying to find Romeo, and they can't. Okay, well, sorry, I'm, I'm sure he went home. to one. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. Clearly, okay. Clearly, he's taken Rosalind. Yeah, gone he's home. gone home. It's no use trying to look for him. And then we realize that he has. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, again, I was thinking it went straight into. Nope. 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 Like a drunk. 
uh, frat boy. He has eluded his friends who are trying to do the right thing and get him home in one piece, <laughs> and instead decided to scale the wall of his enemy's house so that he and Cho go try to hit and, on a girl again. And again, I so am going to, to hit on a girl. I am going to recommend that our listeners find sassy gay friend Romeo oh and Juliet this time. God. What? What, what are, are you doing? doing? Yeah. Romeo, Romeo. Wherefore art thou, Romeo? Romeo? More like Romeo, Romeo. I am very desperate. Are there any stalkers on my grounds? It's it's beautiful. <laughs> I can do all of all of Juliet. You made like, a from, from a priest. <laughs> Look at your life. Look at your choice. Says, do you have you even you, slept with the guy? You met him Thursday. I it's did. barely Sunday morning. Slow so down. It's great. Crazy. It's great. <laughs> Just find it. Oh, I love him. But yes, the balcony scene, which there's beautiful stuff. There's, there's, there's yeah, beautiful yes, poetry. Okay, yes, so you do. You when, have. But it has been replicated in so much poetry. Right. And so when we talk about people who go, oh, Romeo and Juliet, it's February, which we're doing this podcast to come out around February. Right, I think. Something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's going to come out so, first way, end of January, beginning of this, February. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is the scene that everybody looks to and like, this is a romantic piece. This is the most romantic words ever written. And I mean, if you take the scene out of context, sure. Absolutely. If you it don't is, realize that it's a 40, 15-year-old and a 13-year-old, and they're just, he's just trying to it, dick down. If you instead make it a horny 25-year-old trying to hit on a horny 23-year-old. That's still the, bad. It's the same thing. At this point, the it's not about the age. This is game recognizing game. Except neither one of them has real game. Uh, I don't know. Juliet does. <laughs> Would you leave me so unsatisfied? What satisfaction could you have tonight, son? She, so there are a lot of bad things about this play and the choices that are made, but Juliet's choices are... In this scene. In this scene are good. Yeah, she marries somebody that she met on Wednesday on a Sunday. But it's because, uh, in Juliet's defense, it's because if she doesn't, she's going to be arranged in a marriage to someone she doesn't care about. And if she's going to be married... Why not be to somebody that she can choose? Exactly. Her, except except she met choice. him on Wednesday, so she didn't even fucking know this guy. Yeah, either. but she's thirteen. Yeah, and then right That's after why she, she knows, she's not even okay. being pressured right. to be married. Right. The There's no like, pressure. Let's let's. This is akin to a thirteen-year-old girl, girl picking up the clothes that her mom doesn't want her to wear because it's a choice. This is not about. The longevity. Yeah, reach into the Give chocolate. me some more of this fucking chocolate. <laughs> you need to get the I chocolate. Hate you, motherfuckers. <laughs> you need to get in the chocolate for this because when you're looking at the mindset of a 13 year old girl and you're thinking about the choices. Which I'm she's... thankfully at least nine years away from. Oh. 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 You've oh. never been one. The other three of us have. I know, that's what I'm saying. I'm nine years away from that. I have a beer. Tell you what, I'll just go buy a nice bottle of scotch now. We'll break it, <laughs> we'll break it open when Izzy has her first boyfriend, and I don't let you go meet him with a shotgun. How about that? I don't need shotguns. I have more swords than everyone in this <laughs> Exactly the reasons we're going to get some... I have a lot of daggers. Let's, let's watch. I have more weapons than anyone here. Okay, that's right. That's why we'll get some scotch, and we'll make sure you can only find the blunted ones. I have a spiked club. Good for you. You also used to have a stick with some nails in it we called the complaint department. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> the, the complaint, complaint department. department? Yes, anyway. if you have a complaint, I answer think, to the complaint I department. Think trying to get back I am right. trying to get us back right, on track. Right, let's right. let's so, continue right. moving. So when we're talking to about... When we're talking about... Um, when we're, 
when we're talking about the thought processes of a 13-year-old girl, if she can do anything to gain agency back in her life, Romeo will do so many things that a 13-year-old girl wants to do. First of all, he'll make out and all of that stuff that Ryan keeps talking about. Um, swelling pants and things like that. Cod he's pieces. just trying to fuck. Yeah, cod pieces. But it's not also, a cod piece, he's trying to fuck. It's a great moment of rebellion, because it's fucking gonna piss her parents off. And every 13-year-old girl, on some level, no matter how close you are to your parents, and I love my parents, Joyce and Daniel, the best, but we all do things because we want to piss our parents off. He'll do that nicely. But he is also her decision and she from the first moment we see her as you mentioned she's talking to her mother in this very kind of clipped and very uh professional pro pro professional formal tone she's being told that you will look on this man you will see if you like him because you're most likely gonna have to marry him i don't want to marry him I don't want to marry anybody i'm 13 i don't want to do this and here walks in this swagger and he is a... That's one way to put it. He's adorable. Oh, now we've hit this part. Yeah. He's adorable. You're he's calling Romeo adorable? No, he's Juliet's not. calling Stop. Romeo Stop. adorable. He's a douchebag. I'm sorry. We've gotten to the part where I'm drunk enough and I'm going to explain uh, psychology <laughs> by looking at Cassie and... Uh, You're going to hit on Cassie I'm now? Hit, I'm okay. Again. 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 It's good. So this is the first time. This Story is of my first. life, man. It's this what I did when I was history. talking about Desdemona, too. Yeah. So she, she's got this... Cassie, <laughs> in walks in walks Romeo, and he is beautiful. My Romeo, yeah, and okay. he hits on her. Oh, she's she's gonna try and sex you, and he hits on her, and she like she dismisses him, and she's pretty smart about it. And the way she dismisses him is very witty, despite the fact that you don't like it. It is very witty, <laughs> stupid, <laughs> stupid wit. So uh, she dismisses him very wittily, and he leaves. But there she is. She now knows who he is, and she's like, "Oh, Romeo, where for out there, Romeo?" And it could have been anybody. Part it one of Othello all over again. It is. It and hey, everybody loved that. It got lots of likes. I think I don't know. So she's looking for this guy, kind of, but in her mind, she's just thinking about him. Like if if I could have him, I would stop being a Capulet. If I well, could that's just... because if somebody tells you not to think about an elephant, you think about an elephant. I'm thinking right. about a unicorn. Right, and it's the forbidden aspect it's of so the It's the forbidden, but it's also this, no. as a Capulet, she has to live up to these standards. So this is where she becomes we still a, wonderful, got that three yet. a wonderful yeah. a wonderful idea of a feminist we need, we need to We need to continue on. All right, I'm yeah. leaving. So, okay, so we move so into... Because we, have, we no, we haven't even gotten through... We've gotten yeah. through two acts. We, can, we, we haven't can, gotten through two acts yet. We can uh We're at the beginning of act two. Later. Oh, I digress. No, we're, we're, digress. We'll revisit. Yeah. Okay, so then the next morning, Romeo goes to the friar for advice, and he says... I need your help. I'm in love. And Fry's like, yeah, I fucking know. It's with Rosalind. And he goes, no, I don't even know who Rosalind is anymore. Who, who's, this, who's, who's that bitch? What's up, Rosalind? Who's with, that no, bitch? His line is, with Rosalind, my ghostly father, no, I have forgot that name and that name as well. And then he's like, no, I'm in love with Juliet. And the Fry's like, oh, that's much worse. Yeah. <laughs> hold hold and, on. And I thought she was bad. But oh. you're worse. That's a bad idea. And the Friar is actually 
I think the the true voice of reason in this show. Oh no, he is. He, he so is. often tr- goes to Romeo. Is like, have you thought about this? Have you really thought this through? That's he because Romeo is Ro- okay, Romeo is John Ralphio. Going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, let me take a moment. If you don't know, John Ralphio is a character from Parks and Rec. He is hilarious, and I would give him a Crucio John Ralphio, but not Romeo. No, Romeo is literally the worst. <laughs> He's not the worst. He's the worst. Anyway, all, that was John Ralphio's so sister. So the friar. Anyway. Tries to talk sense into Romeo. It doesn't work. Then we go back to Benvolio and Mercutio, who are going, where the hell is Romeo? He did not come home last night. Is he drunk? Is he in a ditch, dead, stabbed somewhere? Let's go find him. We need to go find uh, Romeo. And then Romeo shows up and he's like, hey guys, everything's great. The sun is shining. The world is pure. And they're like, what is going on? Yesterday, the day was too long. And then the nurse shows up and there is the greatest banter between Mercutio and the nurse ever. I love watching. It's so anti-feminist, but it's so funny. But it is watching a frat boy hit on his friend's mom. It is cute. Not even a mom, a it grandma. Is, it is cute. Well, it's adorable. Not necessarily a grandma, but yeah. Yeah. It, he, it's the it's the guy trying to the get the milf. Aunt. The milf of what cougar? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, it's where Kusha's but, like, "Yo, baby." <laughs> but but What's up? Yeah. Juliet has sent the nurse to like find Joey Romeo. Tribbiani with anyone. Mm-hmm. Juliet has sent the nurse oh to find God. Romeo. And give him a message, which is, meet me at the church. She proposes to him. Take she does. Church. Yes, yes. Oh my god, I love that song. <laughs> and so then the next scene is Juliet pacing her bedroom going, I sent this letter, the nurse should be back by now. Why isn't the nurse here? What did Romeo say? I want to know what's going on. And then yeah, the nurse this is comes so dumb. back. They, they meet and at the, the end nurse of Act back One. With oh the my feet! My ever. back! Oh my feet! Yeah, everything like, oh. hurts. The nurse kind of takes Juliet on a merry chase. It's so um, cute. And this the is where shtick ever. This is but, where I will give you that the nurse could be the fool for this scene. The nurse is the fool, <laughs> but doesn't fulfill any of the you're not, fool's roles. You're not going to be able to convince. Her and she, her. but she eventually not Mercutio. First the nurse is I don't have to convince Ryan of anything. The reason no, that's not the point of this podcast. The point of the podcast is Beth and I arguing about Shakespeare. We never agree on we anything. Need to get through, we need to get yeah. through the plot first. We're I'm still gonna... not throughout two, my friends. Okay. Uh, so, Romy, the nurse finally says, yes, he's going to marry you. Excellent. So then we see Romeo with the friar. Okay, well, plot-wise, act one, end of act one, act one, scene four, they meet. Act two, scene five... They agree yeah. to marry. No, no, they get married. Uh-huh. Yes, they do. They they, <laughs> they get, get mar- married. It's a five-act play, mm-hmm. and they're married before Act Three. Act Three, scene one, they bone. They don't even bone. No, they do bone. They bone after the fight. It's like Act. Two, it's scene two, I think. Act, yeah, two? they 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 don't uh, fuck until first, after her cousin it? gets murdered. Is her cousin, the, who she loves, sh- is that the morning lark I hear? No, tis but the nightingale. Right, but before any of that happens, we move this play from a comedy format, because that's what it is right now. Mm -hmm. You can argue that the tragic implications are already there, and they're spinning on their path towards death, doom, and destruction, because they are. that's from the very beginning. They're going to fucking die. But with the things that the characters say, like Friar Lawrence says, this could be a good thing. This could end the feud with these two houses finally. And and it could have been. It could have. It could have made it there. people fucking talked! Like, if everybody followed the Friar's idea to... Okay, well, Friar Francis, Friar Lawrence, 
We know that the Friars are guys that actually apparently know what the fuck is going on. It's the same problem we have with Much Ado. They're the same person. Okay. Friar Continue. Francis Lawrence. Oh, we yeah. gotta get another podcast. Oh, we got a Much Ado. Greenlee with the Much Ado. I'm not sure why that is such a, like, it doesn't celebratory matter. thing because literally as soon as you say the title, you're going to get a, anyway. It doesn't matter. Anyway. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So we start three. Act so much three. you don't. We start Act 3 again with Benvolio and Mercutio. And Mercutio is Benvolio hot under is the collar. Idiot. And he's, he's hot under the collar and he's like, where is Romeo? What's going on? I haven't fought anybody in a really long time. Um, what, you know, and then, and then Tybalt enters and makes everything awful. Right. Well, Mercutio... I will say Mercutio is the one that picks that fight. And because he But it doesn't can, take much to pick a fight with Tybalt. No, it Tybalt doesn't. goes there looking for a fight. Tybalt is ready to fight. Tybalt knows that they were there at the party. And Tybalt wants to go and fight them. Now, you're not at the house now? Let's fight. No, if there's a Montague in sight, Tybalt is ready to fight. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to argue that. But I'm going to say that it's not... Romeo is smart enough that he's trying to walk away. He says, "Cousin, uh, no, yeah. don't." Yeah. Right, but the it's Mercutio that picks up the sword more in the name now. of Montague because Romeo told nobody anything. If he had looked at Mercutio and said, yeah. "Hey, I'm super happy because I'm married," I'm trying to great. fuck this dude's cousin. <laughs> but instead, he's like, "No, no, don't fight, don't fight." I have more reason to love you than to hate you, Tybalt. And, and Tybalt's like, "Um." Yesterday morning when you woke up, I wanted to kill you. Today when you woke up, I wanted to kill you. Nothing's changed as far as I know. And yeah. Mercutio's like, um, what he said. Yeah, and so Mercutio... I'm I want to fucking kill you. Romeo was trying to get in the way of this. And Mercutio's, a Mercutio's, I love Mercutio's attitude is He's really, is yeah. really a, a matter of... Dude, you've disappeared. You've been gone for more than a day. We have no idea where you are, and now you show up and you're defending the Capulets? Yeah. Like, what is going on? And Romeo can't just come out and be direct. Ever. Well, Tybalt and no. Mercutio are true the entire play. That's the thing. Yeah. Tybalt and Mercutio are true. It's amazing how many of these plays could have been cleared up in, like, an act or two if people just talked. Well, if a motherfucker would just say something. And Which so, is surprising yeah. because Mercutio never stops fucking talking. Right. But Mercutio and Tybalt don't change. They are they are the truth They're of very, the play. They're very, very static characters. They are. You know exactly what you're getting with either one of them. Right, and so I'm, I have a problem with saying that the truth of the play, just because you are a static character who never grows or changes, doesn't mean you're the truth of the play. It just means that you are what it was in the beginning. But I well, want some development they're, from a character their the Their truth, oh, sorry, their truth doesn't change. Their truth. Their truth does not yet. change. Right. But, okay. yeah, so so what happens in this scene is that Romeo is trying to stop the fight. He distracts Mercutio. Tybalt takes advantage, stabs Mercutio under Romeo's arm. Yep. And then um, Mercutio gets... Then I'm... Mercutio gets angry. He Fuck. dies on a pun because oh, of fucking course he No, dies. stop. I not love it. Not even one of pun. Like, do. five puns. Of course you do. First of all, our beer competition every week is on a pun. Stupid. <laughs> Everything we do is on a pun. You lost the fellow because you thought it was about control and I brought truth. It is truth, about truth, bitch. It is about control. It's about truth. It can be about controlling the truth. All right. But it's still about truth. Alright. Can we get back to Romeo and Juliet? Yes. So he dies on the pun. Romeo and Juliet is stupid. Alright, quiet. He dies upon the words of come find me tomorrow and you'll find, find me a grave, grave man. man. I love 
love this line. I love this line for so many oh reasons. God, every time you see it delivered, in every adaptation I've seen, it's always different and it's always brilliant again. It's always different. It's when actually the, one of the best the, lines. It is It is quite possibly the best line in the entire show. And I, and I know it. that it's a pun and I know that people I hate are supposed to hate that. puns. I'm about to tell your wife you're about to say these words. Go ahead, go ahead. I hate admitting it. Well, no, my wife understands. Is if I make the pun first, then I think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're there. Um, okay. No, my wife gets mad at me if I make the pun first because she wants to every time. Um, she tries to beat me on dad jokes, and I'm the dad. You are the dad. Okay. She's but no, it, is, it is perhaps the best line in the entire show. Because it is one of the most honest lines in the entire show. The the a plague on both your houses. They have made worms meet of me, and I, I haven't. Yeah. And soundly too. Your the problem is the, the, the problem with the plague on both your houses is he picks is he's fights. the one who starts the fight. Right, he but is. it had but never gotten involved he, in their shit. He can't blame it on Montague and Capulet. He wanted to fight Tybalt. He wanted to fight Tybalt from day one. He has been looking for a reason to stab the prince. Well, I'm going to argue that um, there's a, there's a, a point, and, and it depends on the fight choreographer and the way that the director wants it to go, because you can you can play Mercutio getting stabbed a couple of different ways. You could play with Tybalt was actually aiming for Romeo and Mercutio got in the center of it. You could say that Tybalt was uh, parrying Mercutio, Romeo got in the way, and a parry went into a stab. You can play it a couple of different ways. Either way, Mercutio starts the fight. Yeah. Oh yeah, but he does. But I think it's it's fitting for his character that he's blaming other people for well, yeah. his I'm misfortune. I'm not saying that it's not fitting, yeah. but motherfucker started the fight. He did, and he dies. He dies off stage. Benvolio comes back on, delivers the news. Romeo goes into rage mode, takes a sword, stabs Tybalt. Tybalt is dead, and then Benvolio is like, "Why did you do that?" Kudos to the Tibble, whoever plays Tibble, because he has to do two fights back to back, and that is not easy. Yes, um, but yeah. So so Romeo kills Tibble in just a fit of rage. Benvolio's like, "You need to get out of here. If they find you here, they will yep. kill you." Now you, you have to go. You're you, going into you exile. Need to you go. have to. So he runs away. The prince shows up, says, "What happened?" Benvolio spells it all out. He fibs a little. He fibs a little, but he... Well, because Benvolio is... Well, and Benvolio fibs in such a way, though, that it's supposed to not either make the Montagues or the Capulets look so bad. Well, he says that Tybalt started the entire thing. Right, but he's getting everybody out. There's a lot of people there. And he tries to pull it all down to just one person. He tries tries to get everything on it being between Tybalt and Mercutio, because that's not Montague Capulet. It's the prince's cousin. It's the prince's yeah. cousin. So he tries to pull it down to just the bare tax of what they might be able to get away with. And I will say it's very interesting that the prince actually goes back on his what he originally sentenced, which was if anybody does a skirmish or anything like that, they're going to die, and instead simply banishes Romeo. Banished it. Banished. 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 Yeah. So, but I think That's Romeo... That's he should have been. He should have never yes. come back either. Yeah, but but Romeo is banished, I think, because he was avenging a wrongful... He was avenging... He was avenging he was dis- his yeah. He was dispensing some misguided form of justice, but justice all the He same. was the knight. Yes. And so then we move into Act 3, Scene 2, 
which is, you know, Juliet waiting for her husband to come so they can have their wedding night, and then the nurse shows up and she's like, uh, yeah, Romeo totally killed Tybalt. It's a bit of a problem. Yeah. And Juliet's like, what, what, what? <laughs> and so then Juliet has her moment of existential angst about how can I love this man, my husband, who killed this man, my kinsman, and then Romeo... They have a bit of a weird relationship anyway. Well, yeah. Um, and so Romeo goes to the friar again for advice, uh, because the nurse talks sense into Juliet, calms her down, says, you know, you still love Romeo. He was defending his friend. Yes, it's horrible. He's been banished. He's not going to be killed. It's fine. Everything will be okay. It'll all work out. The Tibble Juliet relationship is weird. It is. They don't even interact at all in the play. But their love for each other is weird. It's weird. It's only weird in the Baz Luhrmann one. Oh, it's really weird in the Baz Luhrmann right. one. <laughs> so, so then we have Romeo going to Friar Lawrence again, looking for advice. And this is one of my, has one of my favorite speeches in the entire show. Because Romeo is being typical Romeo. He is overreacting to everything. He's like, oh, this horrible thing has happened. I should just kill myself now rather than face this shame and this agony. And Friar Lawrence right, is like... Give it to X. <laughs> Friar Lawrence is like, are, are you kidding me? <laughs> Bitch, please. He's like, well, hang on. You got married, you got into this fight, you could have died, you didn't. You could have been put to death because you killed somebody, you weren't, you were just banished. Juliet still loves you. Calm the fuck down. Yeah, calm your shit, asshole. Don't, like, that is, killing yourself, really? That is so overreacting. And so Friar Lawrence advises the, him. The emotional insecurity. Yeah. He's like, are you a man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Friar Lawrence kind of smacks Romeo about the head a little bit. He's like, leave Verona. Go to Mantua. Somebody should have smacked Wait him more. there. I'm going to send Juliet to you somehow. Like club. You can live in Mantua. It's all going to be fine. Just but first go bone your the, wife. Listen. Well, have your night. If yeah. anything else, what he wants is, I made this marriage. Go consummate <laughs> it. Yeah. Go oh, consummate it. not worth dick. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, you're because not he, yeah, yeah. So he he sends Romeo to Juliet. Uh, they have their night. Um, Papa Capulet is super mad. Not because everything. he knows what. Happened. Not because he knows about, well, about. He meets with Paris and basically says, "Okay, she's Juliet's really upset about Tybalt's death, so we're going to speed up this marriage, and he, we're going to marry him her to you like yeah. tomorrow." We can't tell if she likes you or not. She's just super sad. Well, no, in a week. Sick. Because it's yeah. first, it's a week, and then it's tomorrow. Yeah. So. When when we did when when they did uh when they did R and J here at the university when I was a student, the guy who played Paris was a guy by the name of Brian Carlisi. I called him Brian Keanu Lisi. Thank you. Because the way he played Paris was like, whoa, it is that foul villain Romeo. Well, it kind of sounds like Paul Rudd. <laughs> Which, like is, Bill which was who the most recent adaptation of Romeo and Juliet would have been Paris played by Paul Rudd. No, that was the Boz Lerman version. That uh, when and he which... was in school, that would have been the most recent. Yeah. Oh, I think you meant the most recent to now. No, but no. the most recent. Well, no, to that, that, the Baz Lerman, the Romeo plus Juliet, came That's out in nineteen ninety-six. Yeah, so that would have been the most really recent. Been that long? Yeah, it has. It's been twenty-one years. Holy so, but that shit. sounds a lot since like somebody John Leguizamo just... played Tybalt. Yeah. Anyway, Romeo and Juliet have their wedding night. 
Poppy Capulet comes in, not interrupting them or anything. Romeo gets out of there in time. Yeah. But he says, hey, gonna marry you in Paris. Maybe you'll stop being so sad. And but, Juliet's like, oh, that, mm, that, mm, I'm not that's a problem. That's the opposite of making me sad, actually. Okay, that's, that's not. A, that's a but, problem. Yeah, but instead that, of that, saying, that hey, that's not going to work because I'm actually already married to this dude you might have heard of named Romeo. Which um, would have given her father cause to murder her. Yes, so it's understandable that she doesn't reveal that particular secret. Um, but she, you know, is, is all right, what am I going to do? How do I fix this? How do I get out of this? Again, Juliet being and the problem he solver. He basically tells her that, like, she, he, she has good cause to freak out because he basically tells her, no, you're going to marry him or I will disown you. I will throw you out on the street. I will kill you. The thing is, though, because of the times and because of the way things work, she doesn't. Her father has the right at that time to dispense with her as he yeah. pleases. Yeah. Which and I'm not saying that's right. Well, I'm just saying it's that's to... how shit was. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it. And we're, we were talking before how about these are very Catholic families. Being married to two men is cause to go to hell well, for I mean, them. Oh, the like, Catholic guilt, I'm sure, is through the roof. No, 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 no. no it, was, it's an act, it was an actual It's a mortal family. sin. Yeah, it is a mortal sin. No, but I'm, sin. Saying, I'm saying her Catholic guilt is going off right now because, because once she betrayed her father... Her, no, her father is basically abusing her and telling well, her that he is going to basically disown her and throw her out of the But that's not what her Catholic killer. guilt is going off about. If you're looking at the times, her Catholic guilt is going off about the fact that she betrayed her father. Well, yes. Uh, she I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking about in modern context. Honor in modern... thy mother and thy father. It's one of yeah. those commandments. Anyway, it's, it's anyway, in the top anyway, ten. So, yeah. in, in addition, in addition to that, her mother basically says, "I'm completely done with you." And the nurse says, "Forget about Romeo, marry Paris." So Juliet literally feels backed into yeah. a corner well, and, I'm not, I'm not, and has in the, in to the go to prior the play, Yes, I'm just saying that in the context of the times. Her dad, not knowing that she has done this thing to betray him, because at that time that would have been considered a betrayal. I'm yeah. not saying that, that that she doesn't have guilt for her father. I'm saying that on top of everything else. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, but like I said, I don't agree with the whole times, you know, mm-hmm. thing. I'm just saying that that is at that time, and at the time that Shakespeare wrote it, Juliet was in the wrong. And that's what her guilt would have been about. Right. But she is backed into this corner. She goes to Friar Lawrence. She like, says, how hey, can I fix this? I, I need to fix this. And he comes up with um, the the the, the favorite the favorite Friar plan, which is pretend we're you're gonna, dead. Pretend you're dead. We're going to give you a potion. It's going to make it seem like you're dead. It's you're, the Friar plan. You're, it is the Friar plan, and we saw it in Much Ado. Um, and so we're going to your family will think you're dead. They're going to put you in the tomb. I'm going to send a letter to Romeo explaining what has happened. But Romeo never learned to read. The letter doesn't get to him. I'm sorry. Okay. I can't read. (laughs) Alright, I'm sorry. I have to I have to deviate for just a second. I blame it on Romeo never learning to read. I either I don't know my history that well, or Shakespeare either thought women were so fragile that their emotions could kill them, or believed men were so stupid that they believed that a woman's emotions would kill them. It's the second one. Yeah. It's the second one. Because it happened in all well. Was it uh, much to do about much nothing? About it yeah. happened in a it's winter's the, tale. It's, it's the basis of the fire plan. Yeah, and it, ha- it happens 
it happens twice in this show. It happens because they believe that Julia's dead, but then Romeo's mother actually does die because of her grief for Romeo. Well, no, yeah, it's, it's the Friar plan. Yeah, but I'm sorry, I'm getting so loud. So the first one. Oh, that's fine. It's fine. You're allowed to get loud. What we do? That's what we do. So the first one, I, <coughs> it's definitely not that. <laughs> Shakespeare clearly doesn't think that women are these fragile creatures, or he wouldn't have given us Rosaline or Juliet. Oh, I don't believe that either. That's why I yeah. gave the second option. Yeah. No, we get we yeah. get strong female characters from yeah. Shakespeare. Obviously, he understands that not all women are wilting flowers. But but though no, he does write some, Juliet is a wilting yeah. But where flower. Was, he had to come up with that idea somewhere. So did but it's men a sign of the times. It was yeah. a sign of the times. It's a sign of the times. It's still a sign of the times. You still get all the arguments all the time about how women can't handle themselves in politics or whatever because they're. I mean, you don't hear about them dying. Over it. No, but no, it's, it's no, true in the same way. But one bad month with PMS, and all of a yeah, sudden right. the nuclear weapons are going to be flying. Clearly, that's what's happening, and why. It's, yeah, it's why we have. It's why we have. Politics. It's why we have dick measuring contests about nuclear weapons. Yeah. But that's why we so, call it so, dick measuring contests because it's not about how women think; it's about men. Exactly. So, I'm not disagreeing. Fry no, no, Lawrence, that's that's chance. Fry Lawrence comes up with this plan, and it is a good plan. It is a plan that would work out okay, but they don't because a couple of different things happen, and the first is that this letter that Friar Lawrence sends to Romeo gets waylaid by the plague and does not make it to him. Yes. Right. So the letter that is, she's not really dead. She's Don't pretending to be dead. Out. And honestly, if the Fry, if Friar Lawrence had had simply told Friar, was it Friar John or something like yeah, that? Friar how the other Friar? Yeah. How important the letter was, Friar John would have been like, oh yeah, the letter didn't make it. Sorry. Yeah. But, Sorry, guys. He, he cautions, he tells Juliet, go, agree to the marriage, we'll make it work, it'll be fine. So she goes and she consents, she's getting ready for... Well, the, you miss the, the Capulet actually decides to up the wedding to the next day, yes. so that Juliet doesn't change her mind, so that kind of fast-forwards his plans. Yes. That, well, yeah, that, that fast-forwards the plot. Which contributes to what happens. But yeah, fast-forwards the plot, so she takes the, the, the potion... Earlier than anticipated. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, Juliet's dead. We don't know what killed her. She just died. It's super sad. Everybody's very upset about it. We're gonna go lay her in the tomb next to her cousin. Grief Tibble. killed her. Yeah. Well, oh, that's where the grief thing comes yeah. in. Yeah. And then Paris, who might actually care a little bit about Juliet, is like Paris keeping is vigil. A, actually, he's a decent guy. He's a decent guy. He's keeping vigil outside her tomb. There's a lot of decent guys that are boring. Paris is a decent guy who's boring. Uh, so Romeo Benvolio is an idiot. Yeah, Romeo then gets the message. Came out of nowhere. Like everybody. Is oh hey. Well, no, actually, I said Paris was a decent guy. Yeah. All right, all right. But Romeo gets the message at the beginning of Act Five. Hey, Juliet Capulet died. Isn't that a shame? And Romeo's like, "What? I must return to Verona immediately and find out what's going on with this." So he goes to the tomb. So he goes back. He goes to the tomb. Paris is there. Romeo's like, I don't want any quarrel with you. I just want to see Juliet. Paris is like, you, you can't. You can't. You're a Montague. You can't Sorry, defile dude. my. You, you know, you the killed Tiblet, which caused her to grieve yeah. and die. You're, and so, it's your fault. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to get in a fight with you about this. I just need to get in there. But they do get into a fight about it. Of Romeo kills Paris. Yep. 
drags his body into the tomb and just kind of dumps it in a corner. Paris, who's who is uh, he, actually he does say sorry to the corpse. Yes, yeah. sorry just, about that. Paris, who is actually an okay guy. Yeah, just chose to wrong place, wrong got time. Got a little bit. Yeah. So wrong so place, Romeo Romeo kills Paris. He finds Juliet's corpse. Is he, that foul villain Romeo? He he throws himself on the corpse. He thinks about weeping on it for a while and then decides not to, which is a key mistake because if he had just like mourned a little bit, she would have woken up. Some of my favorite ones are when he's already taken. Some of my favorite times I've seen this play are when he's already taken the uh, the Baz Luhrmann one. I don't Did like they wake that. Up with that? Yes. Oh, I yeah. don't like it. I don't, I don't like it. Oh gosh, I love it. Because no, I prefer him dead. No. I think it. Oh, I think I it, it pushes it the... too far. It pushes it too over the top for me. Oh, I love it. It makes it I love way it. too melodramatic, and this yes. play is already it's uh, like that's already what I about so it too. melodramatic. So I I like both take... versions. I hate the melodrama of this play. It well, I don't know how to tell anyway. you this, but this is the definition of a melodrama. <laughs> I know that's why I hate it because uh, melodrama is the word. But uh, oh, but at some point. Romeo went to an apothecary just in case, got just in case poison. Everybody needs <laughs> which, a little bit of just which, in case. Which, which, <laughs> the apothecary didn't want to sell him because it was death to who anyone who sells it, and Romeo's like, here, I'll give you bunches of money. It's like, yeah, yeah okay. I, so gets, I also like that the most double cast part in this play is Friar to the apothecary. Yeah. There's actually See, a really with the apothecary. I'm going to put too. a pin. I'm going to put a pin in this and I want to get back to it and talk about it more. Um After but there's a the yeah. Time. There's a theory about Friar Lawrence that I find fascinating. Anyway, um, let's, uh, let's get through the yeah, rest we'll of get this through garbage. The, it's plot. we're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost so, done with the garbage. He's like my wife is dead. Everything is horrible. I've killed two guys. They're definitely going to kill me for this. So, I'm going to just do it for them. I'm going to be with my dearly departed wife. Takes the poison. Says some poetic things. Dies. Immediately, somebody Friar comes Lawrence in. Yeah, comes Friar in. Lawrence comes in and he's like, "God damn it, Romeo! <laughs> you piece and of shit! Tries, you moron!" He tries to get Juliet out of yeah. the tomb without her yeah. seeing. Juliet's Romeo. waking up and he's like, "He's like, uh, let's just let's just leave. Don't look around. Let's just go." Doesn't work. She sees Romeo. She realizes what's happened. She dismisses the friar. He's like, "I really don't want to leave you alone right now." And she's like, "Leave me alone." Well, this so is, she is when he, he no, actually, like, loses a backbone and freaks out and runs yeah. away. Because it's his plot. Like, he's yeah. now responsible for Romeo's death, for Paris's death in many and, ways. And they hear people coming. Yeah, they hear people coming. He gets scared, runs away. Juliet oh, goes, dagger, here is thy sheath, and I can't, I can't live without my husband. Kills herself. The family's come in. For real in, this time. For real this time. The family's come into this tomb where they laid their daughter to rest, and now there's dead Paris in a corner. Dead Romeo Montague what? with now stabbed and dead Juliet draped over him. And they're do like, what? Do we know that she did that herself, though? I mean, well, yeah. What the hell is going on? A corpse. And Fry Lawrence comes in and he's like, let me tell I you all of these clean. secrets that, uh... So here's what happened. what happened. So we have to act five, that, scene three. On top of all of that, Romeo's mother has also died of grief. Offstage. So poor Father Montague is left with Benvolio. Who's an idiot? It yeah. shouldn't be leading the... It shouldn't be the heir yeah. to the Montague... Anyway. Because Benvolio's an idiot. The friar spells like, out everything that happened. The prince is there and he's like, okay, seriously guys? 
this this has to stop. Look at this. And finally, the Montagues and the Capulets go, yeah, this this has gone too far. Let's make peace. You know, the princess is like, you, you know, dumb shits. Their, their so, houses so, are going to die with their children. Yeah, so it's like, okay, wife, I'm going your to... Your wife, his wife, they're all dead. Six that people guy, are dead. my kids, your kids. That guy? I don't even know that guy. <laughs> But he's dead. Who is that? Paris, Paris was Paris. was kinsman to the prince. And no, so the but, prince but, lost uh, another yeah. guy. At this, at this point, the prince is like, that guy's dead. I don't even know that guy. But that guy's fucking dead. But, I'm yeah. sick of people dying. All right. And so, then... so the show ends with the two families promising to build golden statues of each other's children, so that there everybody like a monologue with yeah. ne- never was there a story of that's more woe than this, this of Juliet, Juliet and, and her Romeo. Romeo, which I also think is an important point there, which we'll put a pin in. Put a pin in it, yeah. It's For fucking it. garbage. Because now we got through the whole play. That's the whole play. And that guy's dead. Now, and that guy's dead. And fucking, who's this guy? I don't know who this fucking guy is, but he's dead. Fucking everybody's dead. And now we dead, look, dead, dead. All right. And this now is we, the stupidest play in the history of plays. Ryan, reel it in, son. Reel it in. Take a chase, and we say, Chase, are we over an hour and a half? Oh, we, we, we were at an hour and 20 minutes. Oh, we're not over an hour and a half then. High five. Well, hey, faster than a pillow. And six of those minutes are talking about Star Wars in so the we beginning. Can just cut so that the beginning. we're not um, going to cut that. That was that was great. Anyway, so, so, so that, that is that the guy's plot. Is dead. That is the plot of Batman and Juliet. The plot is that guy's dead. And the next oh. uh, next time you hear us will be much more freeform discussion about like half of what you heard Absolutely. there. Yeah, and I'm gonna go with that. I may have won the beer game today, just because the phrase that Ryan has <laughs> said most often, more than he's only more than he said stupid, is dead guy. I and dead guy <laughs> ale is what I brought. So I win just because he no, kept no, no, that guy is no, dead. No, that guy is dead because they are stupid. But you didn't say I that. will say that it's, I find it intriguing. How do you pronounce the, the beard? Lagunitas? Lagunitas. 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 The beginning of it sounds a lot like Laguazamas, which is, in oh. fact, the name of a director who did Shakespeare. No, it was, well, Laguazamo was the guy who played yeah. in the Baz Lerman. I'm Romeo too plus. drunk to think of it. Yay! I keep forgetting that she's a half a wine glass. Yay! Yay! I, I am very, very, very lightweight, so the next Let's time you hear me, it will be very interesting. Let's pause for station identification. All right. Well, next time you hear us, it'll be a couple minutes for us, but two weeks for you, so... Chase has got the hiccups because that's how I do. I do because that's how it manifests sometimes. So sometimes when you eat a bunch of chocolates and drink a bunch of alcohol, the sugar in the alcohol and the sugar in the chocolate. Just make it worse. Finish his thing. He did. Well, I was going to go kind of close us out. Close us out, Greenlee. Say say goodnight, John Boy. Well, I've been Chase Greenlee. I've been Ryan Halfhill. I'm Beth Roars. I forgot. She forgot who she was. <laughs> I almost said Beth Singer. I'm I'm Christina Hoekstra. And I'm Cassie Greenlee. And fuck this play. <laughs> it's, it's, it's about control. <laughs> <laughs>